food, food, food. Who doesn't love food? It brings people together. It tastes delicious. And it can teach us about other cultures in a totally accessible way. Especially in Canada, one of the most diverse countries in the world. You can walk down the street and see food from all over the world. In this episode, producers Selena Satrakian and Meng Truong introduce us to the complex flavors of Hakka cuisine, how to cook them, and how they've evolved over time. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty hungry. This is Same Difference. Hey mom, put down your phone. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you have to add in, you can't, you have to back me up on this. So... Um, usually at home, my dad actually does most of the cooking. It's usually his take on Chinese food, right? Um, but I don't think he's ever really tried to attempt to make Hakka food. This is what Hakka means to you. I'm Selena Satrakian, and this episode is part of the podcast Same Difference, a series about belonging. So, uh, my name is Erin. Uh, I am Chinese Filipino Canadian? Question mark? Why question mark? Oh, uh, sorry, this is your intro. I don't know. Usually, when I introduce myself, I just say I'm Chinese Filipino. I don't usually include the Canadian part. But I guess I'm more Canadian than. This is what a lot of my friends say that they feel more Canadian, that the other parts of their cultural identity feel distant, disconnected, and lost. It's been something that always comes up. And I felt it too. But I started wondering, is there an easy way to fix it? Is there a way to bridge that gap and start connecting to that lost part of you? Then I remembered something, or I guess someone. Aaron. I remembered this one time we were walking and we passed by this building with big letters that read Hakka. I remembered she had told me her mom was Hakka and I'd never heard of it before. So I asked her to explain what she knew. A mixture of Indian and Chinese cuisine. A food that found itself in a place of in-between. I thought, hey, that's like us. It's been influenced and evolved into something more than just one identity. So I called Erin and I asked her if she had made Hakka food before. She had not. And I asked her if she would be willing to participate in an experiment with me. An experiment to see if recreating a cultural dish would help you feel closer to your cultural identity. And she said yes. But we couldn't do it on our own. We needed the person who was responsible for Aaron's Hakka roots. Correct. So I'm Christine Chu. I am Aaron Navarro's mom. I am Hakka Chinese, born in India. Uh, we immigrated to Canada in 1981. Um, I'm married to a Filipino man who was born in Pembroke, Ontario. I think you guys did a pretty good job in raising us to experience different tastes and not be afraid to try things. I, I try to instill that they not be afraid of any culture or getting to know their the different cultures. So starting with that would be from the food. And then from interests, they, they learn about the stories and things like that. We're a very mixed bag family with a lot of, you know, different influences coming in. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a key word, influences. Yeah. Also, we're not very picky in terms of eating, except mom doesn't like fish that much. I've gotten better. I eat sushi. You still can't eat like the most basic fish though. Yeah, it has to be very frozen and it has to have a lot of wasabi. (laughs) 
The next step was grabbing ingredients. Aaron sends me an address, Sunny Food Mart. It's local, so it doesn't take too long to drive over. Inside, the market is bustling. The fans are loud and constant, the carts all squeak, and there's people in practically every aisle. Cindy Lauper's time after time plays over the speakers and we sing along at first. It seems well-loved and alive. Erin's forgotten her glasses, so she can't see. But that doesn't stop her. She's been here before and easily moves about. What's more, Erin talks me through the different foods I have no knowledge of, and she's clearly excited. That's something I knew I could count on. Her love for food and sharing it with others. As we move past stacks of fresh green vegetables, she lets me know a little bit about why she chose this place in particular. Technically like an Asian food mart, but the community here is predominantly Indian. And so there's a lot of halal, there's a lot of like Muslim food and stuff here. So you'll find, you know, more of this kind of stuff than you would at like Foodie Mart, which is more traditional Chinese stuff. My dad loves it. <laughs> I would like to get some tender chicken meat. <laughs> Why does it have to be tender? It just tastes better if it's fried. So I was looking at these boneless chicken legs because they're boneless. That means I don't have to deal with bones and that sounds wonderful. I'm spending a lot today and it's all going to my dad's credit card. I actually don't really remember what else I have to get. See, this is why I'm a bad shopper. I need chilies. I need to buy chilies. The thing about my mom and Hakka cuisine is that I don't think she actually ate a lot of it when she was a kid because she grew up pretty poor, so they ate a lot of poor people meals. She talks about how she grew up on a farm and stuff. I don't really know much about it though. No, no, no. In India, we weren't in a farm, we were in a town. But where did you grow on a farm? I didn't grow on a farm. I thought you were on a farm. In, in China. Oh. My ancestors were farmers. I thought you were a farmer, that's I lame. wasn't a farmer. I was a, <laughs> I was, well, that, that makes I was sense, a since town you can't grow kid. anything for your life. We were in Pune, which is like a three-hour train ride from Bombay, the main city, which is the city, Bombay. The city. We start the cooking session, and before I can even hit the record button, the two of them are bantering away. But it's funny, because as we talk, it's clear there's a lot Erin never knew about her mom. After pulling up the recipe for the dish she's decided on, chili chicken and hakka chow mein, Erin starts showing off her shopping haul to Christine. And pretty quickly, Erin starts questioning the perception of Hakka she has in contrast to her mom. I also bought these Hakka chow mein noodles. So we can make a veggie Hakka chow mein. That's where most of the veggies are cutting are going to. Oh. See? Are we doing Hakka chow mein? Yeah, I'm going to try it out. So that's why I'd rather save the wok rather than use it to deep fry. Think about these Hakka noodles. Oh, I didn't know you can buy Hakka noodles. Yeah, me too. And it, it literally says Hakka noodles on it. Hmm. I was like, I was a little worried because the recipe online just said chow mein noodles and I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if they'll have like the right ones. And then I saw the package just so happened. Oh, yeah. Wow, I'm surprised. Me too. <laughs> like maybe they finally respect us. That's not we respect. We're Hakka people. We were very adaptable. What does that have to do with respect? Uh, we're nomads. We're known to be adaptable in whichever situation we are in. Doesn't mean people like us. Uh, <laughs> I won't say they don't like us. I think a lot of people like Hakka food and they actually find us more friendly. Oh, really? Yep. Because we're adaptable? But 
people can also be snobby, snob in the Chinese community. Yeah. Of Hakka compared to say Mandarin or Cantonese. Because they think we're mountain people or village people. See, I told you they don't accept us. They don't accept you. It's the perception. It's people grow with their ancestral beliefs. So what do you know about Hakka? Uh, what you tell us, we're nomads. <laughs> mountain people. I, I kind of consider it kind of like we're the losers of China. That's pretty sad, Aaron, because that's not what we are. I think it's more so I'm joking about it. So Hakka was a term given by uh, the, the people of Canton. And what Hakka actually means is guest, right? So we're, we weren't even part of Canton or anything. We were termed uh, guests. So we, we didn't really belong to that province. You can't really even pinpoint in China where exactly are all the Hakka people. So it was sometimes in the 80s, I think 85 when I went back. I was only 16. But, you know, you, you don't speak their national um, language like, say, Cantonese or Mandarin. So they couldn't place you as Hakka person, mm. right? So it depends on wh where you are and what the people, how they react back with you. I can't say it's bad or good or anything. It's just, it's different. So you kind of adapt to each place you go to. When we started out, we were one of the first three Hakka restaurants to open up. At the time, all of the restaurant owners did not want to advertise as Hakka because nobody knew what it was. And if we were to say Chinese Indian fusion, it could intimidate some people because people's palates were not as open back then. Sure enough, what Aaron and Christine felt was not exclusive. Hakka food and culture was not always as well known or accessible around Canada as it is today. So it must have been hard to connect to and celebrate that identity when it was limited to a few restaurants. I wanted to know a bit more about how it felt like running a Hakka restaurant in those circumstances. So we reach out and found someone whose family had seen it all. Uh, my name's Jeanette Liu. I am I'm a part of the family that operates and owns Yitong Restaurant, Toronto's oldest existing Hakka restaurant in the city. When we started, it was about three restaurants that were serving Hakka food and we did not want to advertise as Hakka because nobody knew what it was. Like if you say 10 years ago, the only Hakka restaurant you really know is Frederick's. Which, Frederick's? Yeah, Frederick's. That, that wasn't Scarborough. It's not Frederick's, it's Frederick. Frederick. I thought yeah. we went through this so many times. The way they call. They pronounce it Fredericks, but it, the name says Fredericks. There's a, there was only one or two Hakka restaurants, I would say maybe about 15 to 20 years like, ago. Toronto's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. You've it got is. all the little towns. We've taken them to Indian town where, you know, they've learned to eat it's corn. Little India, actually. Is In it called? What the hell is India town? Well, we don't call it. It's, little it's, India. It's called Little India. We just call it Gerard Street. <laughs> <laughs> I keep finding that Christine is very eager to share what she knows about Hakka during the cooking process, and I rarely need to ask her a question as she just guides me through it all. She tells me stories about her mom, and about India, and about what counts as Hakka food back in China compared to when they immigrated to India or Canada. Like I said, we were nomads. Chinese people that have immigrated and usually it's because like the early 1900s 
people had such big families and people were so poor they couldn't afford to be like in China. So they would look for um, other places to go to to try to make money to support the family. Uh, from what I know, from what I've heard from my parents, um, Hakka food is very peasant-like because we had to scrounge for different ingredients and different kinds of foods and different kinds of flavors whenever we inhabited different spaces. We, in some way, are like the Jewish community in that we did a lot of traveling. So when there was civil unrest in China, our forefathers and our community spread out to different parts of the world. And we went to places like Jamaica, Malaysia, India, where our family is from. And when we went to these different places, we adopted their culture, fused it with our own. And the interesting thing about Hakka is you're not just getting one sort of flavor you are getting an amalgamation of different flavors. So our family specifically, and in Toronto specifically, Hakka food is very well known and synonymous with both Indian and Chinese flavors fused together. But at the same time, you can go to a Hakka restaurant and they can be serving Jamaican Chinese food. You can go to another Hakka restaurant and they can be serving Malaysian Chinese food. It is so vastly cultured that you are getting so many different kinds of flavors. So I'm making two batches of chicken at the moment, which will be marinated with garlic, ginger, soy sauce, chili powder, I think. Are you eating peppers while you... Yeah. <laughs> you have to eat the food. Can you feed one to me? You want a pepper? Yeah. Fine. And you only taste the food for seasoning. I eat along the way. Ah, uh, I'm girl. I started to get curious. Other than what we were doing right now, how had Christine and Aaron been keeping their culture alive? I had to know. So we were never, like, elite. We were working people. So even the food itself, it's, 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 it's what the farmers used to cook, right? Mainly basic, basic, you know, basic rice, basic, um, like meat would be expensive, so you won't find as many meat dishes in the old days. Meat was like, was like special for like, you know, Chinese New Year or autumn festival, only the special occasions where meat comes comes and is brought out in the cuisine, right? Mostly it's rice, vegetables, um, eggs. So the real Hakka food is actually really simple. Simple to make and, uh, and hearty. So a lot of porridges, like we call it congee, right? But um, that's part of their staple. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think when you think about Hakka food, it really is that not necessarily peasant food, but more comfort foods. And when you go to a Hakka restaurant, that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get some sort of fancy meal. You're going to get a damn good meal that tastes good at a good price point. And so if that's peasant food, that's peasant food, but really comfort food. <laughs> At home, we didn't speak English. We only spoke Hakka. Mm -hmm. That's a shame since you hardly know how to speak Hakka. 
Yeah, unfortunately, we lose our Hakka because now not as many of us are speaking Hakka. When my parents left when they were like teenagers, right? Basically, during the Second World War was when my parents actually left China to try to set up uh, things in India, trying to discover themselves in India. So what they took with them is what they knew of their language at that time. So when they kind of taught us Hakka, and when I was 16, which was like, like 1985, when I went back to China and I was talking to my cousins, they said it's like talking to someone whose language was frozen in time because they were saying, you speak so ancient. So when I, when I was speaking, I was like speaking like 1930s, 1940s Hakka. We moved to a, a different country altogether, right? But our language, the way we speak, our, even our practices are still frozen in time of when your parents, from what they knew at the, the, that time. But one of the things also I learned when I was in China was because my sisters and I, we grew up with Indian and Chinese and English, um, I knew what was English for sure right but yeah there are some things that I didn't even know because we speak we we mix all three right so I could say in in one sentence like I'm going to the bathroom for instance I, I could say I'm going to stawe. to me it's a perfect sentence but for someone who's like listening going what is stawe? Stawe is washroom but to me I can't even I don't even think that I've switched languages Right? right, it all kind of sits in the same place. Yeah, it sits in the same place. So sometimes we used to speak with Indian words. So when I was actually talking to people in China, there's some words that were Indian. I didn't even know it was Indian. I always thought it was Hakka. Like I would say, oh, you, I, you know, I like the, I like the Kela, but Kela is not a Chinese term at all. Ch Kela was an Indian term to say banana. So it's kind of, you know, we're kind of like a mixed up bunch of people <laughs> right so Erin's even more mixed up right she's <laughs> yeah. she's she's Chinese but she's not true Cantonese or Mandarin she's Hakka but she loves Indian food I would say she's pretty international like from food wise honest, I sometimes wish I was a little more connected to our culture because you should learn Chinese yeah I do want to learn Chinese but I don't want to learn Hakka then learn Mandarin? Yeah, I was thinking that. It's because, I guess because we were born here, we're actually very, very Canadian, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel in touch with either my Filipino side or my Chinese side as much as I can, as well as other, um, some of my other friends do. Uh, I sometimes joke saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm half Filipino and half Chinese, so I only get half the benefits from each side. So I feel like there's a certain disconnect somewhere and I'm not completely understanding where, what my cultures kind of give me. You know, there's groups of people with similar nationalities that like to group up, right? So sometimes there's like kids who are Filipino that like to hang together and kids that are Chinese that like to hang out together as well. But mm. I never really felt part of any group. And of course, either group is nice and they always accept me. But when I'm there and they start talking about things that they relate to, I start realizing that I don't understand a lot about what they're talking about. It's another uh, example would be like when I first started school in in Canada, I was really uncomfortable. Um, why? Because 
I look Chinese, totally look Chinese, you know, flat bridge nose and everything. But when I spoke, I had an Indian accent, right? So mm -hmm. they really couldn't place me. They couldn't, how come I don't have like a Chinese accent, but I have an Indian accent. Um, but I'm speaking English and everything is just like, it's not what their perception is. So I have to adapt. The people around me had to adapt. Um, yeah, it really depends who's around you and what they're used to. Uh, when you were talking about the Indian accent thing, I remembered something from elementary school. So, you know, kids are stupid and we like to play little playground games. And so there was one day where my classmate was trying to do impressions of different accents and stuff. And they're like, Aaron, you're Chinese, right? Can you do a Chinese accent? So I tried and they're like, that's not Chinese. That's very Indian. <laughs> <laughs> it's because... My exposure to the Chinese accent, Chinese accent in air quotes, is around my family, and it's all Indian accents, not Chinese. A while back, our parents were a little bit concerned. The baby boomer generation, you know, they've been so in touch with the Hakka roots, and when we got down to our generation, they were just a little bit afraid that we wouldn't be able to keep the culture going and keep the culture alive um, because we are in Canada. Our primary language is English. When you lose touch with your culture in that way, it's a little bit hard. So what we've been trying to do is keep our culture alive through our restaurant. And now from three restaurants, you're seeing well over 150 Hakka restaurants in Toronto at last count. I, I bring Aaron and the children and my husband. We go to my parents' graveyard oh, yeah. pretty religiously every year, but try to do it at least twice a year. Um, we do what we, we have in, in the Chinese culture is tea ceremonies where we pay our respects to our ancestors and to people who've passed away. Um, it's something my parents have taught me and I try to also uh, parlay to my children as well. Um, we do that, uh, especially near Chinese New Year time, as well as the uh, Moon Festival, which is around September time frame. So those are the two main times we do. We do things as uh, Hakka um, ritual wise. So at least they also try to remember who their grandparents are and to try to remember the the Chinese side of them. Uh, honestly, mostly <laughs> just eat. As mentioned earlier, you know, people can get in touch with, you know, their uh, upbringings just by food. And honestly, I just attached to most of what my mom said with the uh, visiting her parents' uh I was going to say graveyard. Mm. Yeah, but it's not their graveyard. It's just like, you know, technically speaking. <laughs> Where they were buried. <laughs> I don't know. How can you get more technical than I, that? I kind of like that. I mean, mm -hmm. um, every so often, it's not only our family who goes. We sometimes meet up with our cousins and stuff to, you know, just meet up and do the two ceremony. We also light incense and we burn gifts and things like that. It's quite nice, actually. There is more dialogue. There is more, I guess, awareness of different kinds of foods. People are more cultured now than they were back then. And 
you know, with kind of this resurgence and interest in different culinary and different chefs, there are so many shows out there that are talking about diverse foods. I think that just the market is now ready for different kinds of foods. There is no real Hakka food anymore because it was, it is based on a lot of different fusions and influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, that's a really good point. There shouldn't point. be one definition. Because of, of uh, the nomadic uh, ways of the Hakka people, the food has to evolve with where they've they've traveled oh. to. Right. So that's actually true. True Hakka is, is, is how has it evolved? There, when we say it's not true Hakka, it's because we started with the base, right? Mm-hmm. But as you go to different countries, the, the change, the taste, um, that that's why if you say the Hakka Jamaican Chinese noodles will not taste the same as the Hakka Indian Chinese noodles. Right. There and and each area has its own different spices. For example, Jamaica has Scotch bonnet. We don't have Scotch bonnet in India, Mm-mm. right? So it's completely different. So if you use some sort of Scotch bonnet spice spices versus India has the red chilies, the taste is completely different. Completely. So so like I said, it's 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 how where has it traveled through. It, from from their background really influenced the actual taste so when some people say oh no that's not true Hakka food well where did you come from did mm. you come from J- Jamaica did you come from Indonesia did you come from Singapore or even come from Hong Kong or you come from India and even in India there's so many dialects it depends if you came from Calcutta versus came from Bombay because there's different regions in India, right? Right. North, south. Yeah. South is stronger in their spice taste. Northern is not as spicy, but very clear kind of um, spices on, on their side. It's just how they make the spice also. So when you you add the different where you belong, like say north of India and the Chinese Hakka food, it will taste different from where you come from the south with the Hakka food. So it really is to do with evolving from where where you've traveled to and what is what is your base. The real Hakka is in our hearts <laughs> and the friends we made along the way. Okay, friends. that's cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. So Mom, my next task, mm-hmm. yeah. down. do you think you can make Hakka noodles? Ah, uh, you're making me do the work now. Okay, well, what? I, I just feel like you're good at mixing things in a wok. So what do you, um, so we need to... do you have meats? No, it's all going to be Cooking the meal itself connected me closer to Hakka mm-hmm. because I did make Hakka food, but it was in a very American kitchen, right? Maybe if I had access to more traditional means of creating things, I would have felt closer to it. But cooking with my mom, who has much more knowledge about it and talking to her while we cooked and talking to you while we cooked, 
definitely gave me a better understanding of what Hakka was. Um, connecting to Hakka, well, I guess making the noodles was the closest I felt of what I try to mimic what my mom did from what I can remember back when I was like, I don't know, young, like, I can't remember mom's cooking as much after um, coming to Canada, but I, I remember certain things that she did when we were back in India, when she, she cooked in a walk, and where Aaron's like, just grab the tongs and, and mix the noodles. Oh no, it's stuck. <laughs> you Use a chopstick. Don't I use will. your finger. I, of course I won't use my finger. I don't know. You might <sighs> want to. It's stuck. I'll use tongs, actually. How can you call yourself Chinese? Fine, I'll use chopsticks. God. Want to use chopsticks? ASMR. <laughs> oh, they're very stuck. Okay, hold okay. on. Let me help you then. No, I'm going to mix it the way my mom used to do it, which mm -hmm. is just get the chopsticks out and you holding two sets of chopsticks on each hand and you're like lifting the noodles to mix with the other ingredients. It's mm -hmm. just like certain techniques you do. It kind of reminds you of this is how my mom taught me. And my mom to me was totally Hakka, right? So, um... Certain things, even though it, it probably doesn't make sense to Aaron, like, why don't you just use the tongs? It's it's more like, I'm trying to do it the way my mom did it. Mm. Because I'm trying to bring back my, my memories of my mom and um, what Hakka meant to her, how she was taught to do things in the Hakka style. Um, I try to mimic it as well, like cooking in the wok, cook, lifting the noodles with the chopsticks. You know when you say, um, you go to a restaurant, you try something, and you always say, this, it's good, but it's not your mom's. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. Hakka's very personal. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't taste like your own mom's, you tend to be a little bit more judgmental. So, when you say, is this really Hakka food? It really depends on what you grew up and the taste that you grew up with. Right? It's, it's... So, it's what Hakka means to you. I think that's what we've learned. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's, it's yeah. very personal. Potential title. <laughs> um, I think that was a good way to put it. And maybe because most of my exposure to Hakka food is, you know, just through your family and through the takeout that we order. Yeah. Mm. And it will evolve. It doesn't matter what generation you are. It will always evolve. Right. I wonder if it's too spicy. <laughs> I haven't even tried it. Hey. This is done! Wow, it looks like chili chicken and we made it ourselves! Wow, I'm so proud of us! Oh my god! <laughs> Are you exaggerating? No, it's good! It tastes like chili chicken! I'm 
so I think, you know, trying to make it was different, and it kind of inspired me to try it again. Really? Yeah, I think so, because we do make Chinese food, but it's not usually Hakka food here, is it? Yeah, because when I cook the real Hakka foods, you guys don't like the preserved vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) You guys like the, 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 what do you call it? The more generic kind of Chinese foods? But, but are maybe not as Hakka-like. Then sounds like next time we have to make more of the preserved things, doesn't it? But <laughs> I think it was interesting to try to make the, the Hakka food that we usually get takeout for. The Hakka place that's just around the corner. That's true. Yeah, maybe we should try those uh, bitter melons. Oh no, I don't like bitter melon. <laughs> I don't like bitter melon at all. It's one of those things where like you're not expecting to come out of this being like a stellar chef and necessarily like being completely transformed like i love this thing now and i eat every version of it i think it's, it's like more enlightenment. like yeah. <laughs> buddha moment oh yes i finally seen the light by making chili chicken and hakka chow mein <laughs> I, I think it's more like you've opened a door that you yeah. were a little bit more hesitant to kind of uh approach before you know Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. She never cooked Hakka food before. I have never cooked Hakka food before. She always liked to cook Japanese food. She. I don't even do cooked. that. Then. Dinner! Dinner! Time to eat dinner! Wow. Finally finished cooking, Erin began taking close-up photographs to commemorate the event. Looking closely, one big bowl held thin yellow noodles tossed with cooked veggies, bright orange carrots, green bell peppers, all chopped finely. Another bowl was full of chicken, covered in enough sauce that it was glossy. The kitchen light bouncing off it, ugh, it was an image that would make anyone's mouth water. Erin set aside some for me to try, and the crunch of the vegetables, combined with the soft noodles and the juicy meat, made for an incredible meal with an amazing smell. It was a shame that I hadn't eaten that much haka before. But with this finished, it meant it was time for the results. Had preparing this helped Erin feel more connected to her Hakka roots? And I also made mom cut like a shit ton of food. Could be zini. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm, this is so awesome. Did you even try the chicken? Oh, I will chicken try. Chicken is good. Just like one single. Yeah, I will try one of your two Do you think seeing other people confident about their cultures helped you as well? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think if you're, 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 you put yourself in environment, um, you know, you have a choice. You have, you can have a choice where you're pegged into a Chinese group or a Filipino group or, or whatever. You still have a choice to even find other people that are similar in nature to you where, you're all learning about each other. I think that's the most, um, that that's the best group to be in where people kind of accept who you are. You feel like you don't need to be ashamed of not being fully Chinese or fully Filipino. You're amongst group who is willing to learn about you and grow with you. Now that's a hard find, but if you find it, hold on to it.
就不是干那子唱歌见了那忘记歌呀，就不是干那子钓鱼见了那忘记咕噜噜子喝，好就啊是干那子不到见了那这方来呀，这方啊是干那子凉水见了那长青咕噜噜子叹。Mm, that's it. Thank you to Selena Satrakian and Meng Truong for making me hungry, and thanks to our executive producer Emily Morantz, associate producer Manuela Vega, artwork by Ben Shelley, theme music composed by John Powers. I'm your host Gracie Bryson, and of course, shout out to Amanda Capito, Gordon Ramsay, but nice. And remember, fitting in is overrated. <laughs> <laughs>